Hey there, welcome to Souls and Hearts. This is Souls and Hearts Be With the Word. This is our weekly podcast where uh, Dr. Peter Malinowski and I reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings from a psychological perspective. So I'm Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here with... I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski. I'm a clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're glad to be here with you today. It's good to see you again, Jerry. Yes, it's awesome to see you too. And we're here, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent that we're reflecting on. So we're really getting closer to Christmas, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, so we need to just kind of touch base with you on our, what our kind of main themes were, what we each kind of deciphered as we reflected on these readings. And the cool thing is, Dr. Peter and I do not plan it in advance so we each come with something radically different because we are radically different from each other we mostly get along (laughs) mostly all right so so my theme okay here's my theme is for this sunday is letting go of self-sufficiency uh and we'll talk more about what that means to experience belonging uh and receive god's help so that was the kind of major theme that I had, and we're going to talk, I'll talk about that, and, and Dr. Peter will engage me with that. What was uh, your main theme? So my main theme was psychological fitness, especially the element of readiness, psychological readiness to carry out the Word of God, All right? So not just spiritual readiness, psychological readiness. So Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Look forward to it. Let's, yeah. We'll get into it, but what we want to do now is actually read the readings um for our first few shows like the first two i think i did the readings just sort of separately it was a tack on and then we tried them together we're gonna read them now i mean if you've read them and it doesn't matter then you could forward a couple minutes ahead and skip through this but we'd like to at least you to know or have some context for uh what we're going to discuss so i'm going to get started on that all right um okay so the first reading um is coming, of course, like the previous ones from Isaiah. So it's Isaiah 7, 10 to 14. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld, or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David, it is not enough for you to weary people Must you also weary God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. So the second reading is from Romans. And it's Romans right at the beginning. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised previously through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel about his son, descended from David according to the flesh, but established as son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness through resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received the grace of apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, among all the Gentiles, among whom you are also, who are called according, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, 
to all the beloved of God in Rome, called to be holy, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the gospel comes from uh, the gospel according to St. Matthew 1, 18 to 24. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. All right, so okay. welcome back, and uh, we're here to, to kind of discuss this and uh, reflect a little bit on what uh, we heard. And I know the thing that I had um, kind of come up with, as I said before, was about letting go of self-sufficiency, and that relates to having a sense of belonging uh, and being willing to uh, receive God's help. So I kind of have a lot in there, and and uh, in one little sentence, <laughs> um, but I think. You know, I think it's really relevant. I was a little bit zoomed in um, hmm, uh, on, on what, um, what actually Paul says. And I thought it was kind of interesting. And we can hop around. And I know we're going to touch base with the Old Testament, of course. And Ahaz is such an interesting character. And, and then, of course, the story of Joseph and, and so on. But, but what I, what I uh, Joseph and Mary. But, but what I found really cool, and I zoomed in on when um, St. Paul was talking there, and it was the beginning. And he said, um, you know, he's an apostle. He was called to be an apostle. He was set apart for the gospel um, about his son, uh, the person of Jesus. And he says he, that we, though, right, um, we are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And we are called to be holy. So I thought that was, I, I, I want to kind of put that out there before we get into the whole talk of Ahaz and Joseph, because I know you're, you're going to get into that, which, which I'm excited to hear. But because um, he refers to Jesus there as being descended of David in the flesh. So he recognizes all the things that we kind of know from the gospel of Matthew and that he's a son of God in power, that, you know, he brings about obedience, but that we are called to belong. And I think that, Okay, so for me, I get all these thoughts around self-sufficiency and independence. And even uh, as a man, I think this is true for men and women in general, but especially for men, is this idea of we have to be independent and do it on our own. And we can't really rely on anybody else to help us. And so it kind of leads to this, I don't know, um, 
well, self-sufficiency, this isolation that we're all by ourselves having to take care of it all. And then we get really attached to material things. We get really attached to what we can or we think we can control. Um, so I kind of heard that. Any, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, the sort of like clinically, we would call this counter-dependency in an extreme form. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, or this sort of radical, rugged individualism, you know, sort of like the Marlboro Man character where, you know, I'm just going to be on my own, you know, and um, and, you know, you're focusing in on the belonging. Right. And that we don't have to do it that way. So I'm curious about what you're thinking psychologically gets in the way of us realizing that. Well, or engaging in that. Well, you know, I was funny because when I was first looking at that, I was thinking about that question. Like, what is psychologically preventing people from belonging to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I doubt my worthiness. Okay. And I hear that a lot. And I sometimes have felt that way. Um, I believe deep down that maybe God is angry or disapproves of me. So I was having those kind of those typical negative, I'm not good enough, negative cognition or, or in other words, the lies that, that, that I tell myself. And then I was, then it hit me though. I have a feeling that for me, it's not always that. That it's not that I'm such a piece of crap that, you know, God doesn't, care, doesn't want me. That, and that's getting in the way of me belonging to Jesus. No, I th- actually think sometimes, or a lot of the time, maybe even, that it's my sense that I don't actually need God or that I can't even, like, I can't have his help anyway, maybe. And I have to, and I have to, it's not really there. And so I just have to do it on my own in the end, then hoping God will be pleased, but I'm not relying on him. And, and when I relate that to Advent, I'm thinking, what are we even waiting for? Like, why do we even care that this baby is coming into the world to save us? If I'm already taking care of me. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's exactly kind of what Ahaz was doing. Like, okay, okay. You know, I mean, he was looking around and seeing the instability in the world around him. And there was a huge threat coming from the Edomites and from other peoples around him. Well, so he was, can we hold on just a second? Like, who was this guy? Because I don't right, know. Ahaz. Most Ahaz. People. <laughs> all right. He was a king. He was the king of Israel. Of Judah. Um, of Judah. Of Judah. Judah. King of Judah. Right. Northern kingdom. And southern. southern. Right. Sorry about that. <laughs> Getting all that confused. <laughs> See all these flaws, right? Um, and so he... Um, he was, um, you know, the kingdom was entrusted to him, right? He was the leader of, of, of the nation. And so he, though, formed alliances with the Assyrians, all right? This was, this, he was looking to the Assyrians to protect him and the, and the people. And so he was looking for that security, not in God, right? And that's what Isaiah kept coming back to him about. It's look to God, look to God. You know, and you see that in the, in the first reading here, the Lord spoke directly to Ahaz and says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God, let it be deep as the netherworld or as high as the sky. Ask for a great sign. Ask for something immense. Ask for something tremendous. And what, is, what, is, what does Ahaz come back with? No. He refuses God. He trusts in the Assyrians, and he shifts that dependency from God to some worldly power, something in the world. Because that's ultimately what we do. We don't actually depend on ourselves. We always depend on something 
else, even if it's, you know, you know, even if it's uh, our, our wealth or our power or our influence or control, something, that dependency shifts. We can actually never be truly independent. Mm. It actually doesn't work like that. So I was thinking about that as you were talking. So. Oh, wow. No, that's really, really cool. Um, it's funny because um, one thing that struck me with Ahaz's story and, and Isaiah was um, everything you were saying, but he was the king, right, of the southern kingdom, which had Jerusalem, so right. it had the temple. Right. But we forget, like, Israel was a separate kingdom at that point. Right. The northern so, and southern so kingdom. So Israel yeah. and the other, and Syria, like wherever Damascus is, those two kingdoms were trying to get Judah to help them against Assyria. And this guy sides with Assyria. Against, <laughs> yeah, yeah, against the other tribes of Israel, well, right? I could kind of see where he would. Maybe Syria would be considered more out there, but Israel, to me, I mean, it's in our mind, right. Israel and Judah, you know, eventually are one. But at this point, they're not. And they're actually, like, sometimes fighting with each other. And so it's, it's like, oh, wow. So you would rather have the Assyrians dominate you, ultimately, because that ends up what, hap- that's that's what, what happened. happened yep. than, than to actually help, Israel, like, your maybe fellow country. Right. And, and, and yet, so I thought that, wow, what a betrayal. Um, you know, in, in terms of it just sort of adds to what you're saying that he was really kind of after his own self protection or his yeah. perception that he could get that uh, versus listening to, you know, what God was, was really asking him to do. Right. And God was speaking to him directly. I mean, that's the amazing thing. And he was not ready. And the way I interpret it, and I could, this is speculation, right? So this, this may not be accurate, but I looked at where is he looking for his security? Where right. is he looking for his sense of safety? And it wasn't in God. Mm-hmm. And he went down in history as an evil king. He wasn't buried with the rest of the kings. Um, he was in, he, in both in the rabbinical tradition of, of the Jewish, you know, of the, of the Jewish historians and the Jewish rabbis, they, you know, they were like, this was, this was a, an entirely failed kingship. And he, and he was, he was undermining, uh, the, 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 the religious practices going mm. over to, to the Assyrian beliefs as well. You know, he desecrated uh, the temple, in fact, right? He brought yeah, things, yeah. pagan stuff and put them into the temple and, his son Hezekiah has to fix that. But you know what I think is also kind of interesting? I'm just going to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Ahaz is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. He is. In Matthew. Like he's listed. Like, of course he is. And Hezekiah is too. And all these right. other. But it's like, there's something redemptive about that to me. That even this crap king. <laughs> who really like failed in so many ways. Like, cause he even, doesn't it say there that his, he sacrificed son to Moloch or something yeah there was yeah that's that's in not two kings. yeah i think it's in two kings is it in two kings yeah and and anyway in, in any case and in, in you know he he definitely is, is 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 seen as negative and yet he is still part of jesus's genealogy, genealogy. right so jesus right. like really restores all all sinfulness which is like in some sense yeah yeah. Anyway, so, okay, but let's connect it because you were, I think you were going to connect it yeah, to Joseph. Joseph. So let's look at the contrast, right? In the contrast, we have Joseph who is struggling with the, the fact, I mean, maybe not struggling. There's different schools of thought about how Joseph reacted to Mary's uh, pregnancy. Um, but he was, he was going to be discreet, put her away quietly. The angel of the Lord comes to him and his response, as it always is in, 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 in the Gospels, is immediate, and it's complete. He is ready. He is ready to take Mary in, 
into his home, and he does it the next day. His, his responses are instantaneous, and why? It's because he's ready. He's ready on a psychological level. He's ready on a spiritual level. He doesn't say, look, you know, I've got some, you know, I've got some difficulties with change. This seems like it's too much too fast. You know, he's resilient. He's ready. And that's what we're, uh, you know, that's what, what really impressed me about Joseph. There's not a lot of words about it. He just does it. And, right. and he's in a position to do that. You know, so that's what really struck me there. And, and for ready for what? Well, then I go back to Paul and he says, we've received the grace of apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So it's a readiness for what? It's a mm. readiness for obedience. Mm. When you hear the word of God, right? And here we have Ahaz hearing the word of God directly from the Lord. Here we have Joseph hearing the word of God through the angel in his dream. How do we respond? What happens when we hear that? You know, so that's, that's what, where I went with sort of thinking about it. And then I started to bring it into daily life. What's that like for me? What's that like for, our, for, our, for you as our viewers, right? Um, Those kinds of things, so. Yeah, but I mean, I like what you're saying about Joseph. It really hits me. And I mean, just that he was a righteous man and that he, like, if he had exposed her, she would have been stoned. Right. Like, <laughs> right he would have been accused of adultery he could have done that to her and he would have been justified and yet he doesn't he just he decides well he must have known her i mean assuming they had met i don't know how that all worked but he might have known her and and, and maybe thought like if she had been in the temple and she was a righteous and good you know young young woman that he would have had a sense and been probably pretty confused. I would have thought, yeah. but nevertheless, whatever, we don't know. But, but he chose, you know, I'm not going to have her be stoned. I'm, I'm going to show mercy. He was showing incredible mercy as it is. And then, and then he gets this dream that with the, and the angel pierced and which is, you know, God communicates to him essentially and, and, and tells him, and he, like you said, he just, he immediately goes, okay, I'll take her in then. There's, there's a school of thought that said he wasn't confused, but that he, saw, he, that he knew what happened, but he didn't feel worthy oh, really? to, to be her husband. He didn't feel worthy to join a family with the Immaculate and with God himself. And so that's what brought on the fear. Hmm. Uh, and so then he backed away. And, you know, it's interesting because the angel says, do not be afraid. So there was fear. He was coping with fear, too. Ahaz had fear. But if he was afraid to take her in, I, I mean, at least the way I would just read it on the surface, not, not, not referring to what other traditions right. exist, um, that he would have looked, it could have looked bad. Like you take, if somehow it got out that she was pregnant already or whatever, and he took her in, he would have been seen like, you know, he would have been looked upon badly. Why, and why would he, he didn't, why? Why would he have been looked upon badly? Because he had been basically cheated on by his wife. And then, and yet he still took her in, right? Because I I don't know what else he'd be afraid of. And then, and then, but then the angel says, don't, you know, do it. And he does it. It, He doesn't worry about other people's feelings, thoughts. He doesn't. Right. He just does it. He just does what God tells him. Right. Um, And he does it right away. I mean, you know, you know, exactly. The flight into Egypt, it's the same thing. He does it right away. You know, there's, um, you know, that, 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 that there's that readiness there. So right. that's really, that was really, that really struck me as I read mm-hmm. through this again this time. And, sure, sure. Absolutely. And his security and his safety came from God. That's where he's finding it. He's not finding it in all these other considerations 
uh, like Ahaz was, was looking for it. You know, God says it, he can make it happen. There's not a lot of complication around that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, another angle, another thing I'd kind of like to look at a little bit is this issue of signs, because I thought it was just interesting, you know, this exchange with God and and, um, Ahaz and Isaiah around wanting a sign. And I feel I felt like that was a little it felt a little alien to me, like that discourse and, you know, really trying to understand why were they even talking about a sign and what does it mean? And of course, the sign ends up being you know, ultimately leading to Christ and, 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 and Jesus um, to be the salvation because Ahaz was going to do something that was going to bring peril ultimately, ultimately to Judah and Israel and all. And, and yet in the end, God does redeem all that. He restores the kingdoms, but, but more than that in Christ, he brings, you know, he literally brings himself to save and we have Jesus and even the word Jesus or Joshua, whatever it means, Yahweh saves, you know, and Emmanuel means, you know, God is with us, which is the sense of belonging, which is the sense of he's, we're part of him. We belong to him as St. Paul says. And so this idea of saving and, and so a couple of things are coming to me like a sign to me that marks that is something physical that represents the coming of something exciting and good and ultimately the coming of right of Christ saving us. And so um, when I think of Advent, of course we have all these signs. Like I know for myself, like little things, like we, we're a little unusual. We don't typically put our lights on until like actually Christmas. <laughs> and, and, but most people in our neighborhood, all the lights are already on because they're already celebrating hopefully maybe Christ, but, but the idea is we're actually waiting for Christ, right? And so the signs are signs that are about anticipation. So sometimes we'll put our crash out because we'll get our tree out and we'll put the crash, like the, you know, the stable with all the figures, but we don't put Jesus out yet. He waits <laughs> and he comes, you know, we put, why do we put him, you know, on, uh, after midnight mass or on Christmas morning? Because it's like, now he's here. So what are, like, I'm just curious if anything comes to you, like, what are signs that we could actually observe, or maybe even look for, for this coming, this anticipation? So now, let me be clear, are you asking, like, internally or externally? I'm thinking externally, like, I'm thinking, looking around the world, or maybe we have to make signs if we don't see them. But I mean, even like the basic obvious one is the tree, right? Of course, there's a Christmas tree and maybe a crash. Maybe, you know what I mean? There's a star. There's all these things that are like hearkening to Christ coming to save us. And I think maybe it's obvious to everybody, but I have a feeling that most people don't stop and go, what is this thing that we're decorating? Or what is this thing I see? And what does it actually say to me? It's a sign, like when God said to Isaiah, like, you know, a virgin will, you know, conceive and this, and he will save. So he's there to help. He's there to save. So do we actually see the sign and go, wow, he's coming to save me? Or do we just put up our decorations? Do we just notice the things around us? And it, and it doesn't penetrate. It's just we have this nice Christmas feeling. I guess that's what I'm getting you're at. Asking. For our family, uh, we actually don't do a Christmas tree. Um, uh-huh. And what we do instead is we have a half-size, uh, half-life-size um, uh, 
all these figures, you know, from the, you know, Mary and Joseph and, and the, the, the cow, you know, so the first Sunday of Advent uh, and the night before up comes the cow. The cow always comes up in the first week of Advent. Then the donkey comes up. Then the shepherd and the sheep come in the third week of Advent. So oh, wow. the fourth week of Advent, then come Mary and Joseph. And, uh, you know, so we, we actually build it. Um, and then the kings oh, wow. are off. Then the kings are off in the distance originally, because you know they they make their after Christmas. They so on Christmas morning uh, the baby comes up and the angel and the star, and then the kings start their journey, you know, uh, across the house, you know, slowly being able to come, and then they arrive on Epiphany. So there's you know we're playing it out in a really uh, wow now uh, really. Dr. Peter, did you, did you make that up? Like, or did you get that from somewhere? Like, where did you come um, up with that? I, well, I lived in Spain for a year. And in Spain, it's really common in Catholic households to have a room dedicated to the, oh. to the manger scene. Okay. So, um, so uh, yeah. So, um, so we decided long ago that we would invest a bunch of money in this, like, commercial size you know um manger scene and then we have a, a spot in our living room that we dedicated to it yeah wow so, that's fantastic i love it kids, and the kids love it you know i mean they're, they're able to really kind of get the story in really concrete terms so yeah no i love yeah. well that's almost more than a sign isn't it that's actually you're representing it we're representing it yeah. quite literally right really and having that so that's but that's amazing i love that and then advent wreath is a big deal for us you know we light it at meals and you know there's mm. lots of arguing about who gets the light and who gets to blow out and you know but there is some idea that yeah we're getting closer we're lighting another candle you know right another another week so okay okay so to me okay just and i know maybe i'm jumping around but this idea of this hope and what I'm looking for, what I'm trying to encourage here is just this excitement around, whoa, something is coming that is going to save me. <laughs> right. And, 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 and we take that for granted, I think a lot of the time, but to actually think that like what gets in the way. And the thing that I came up with was self-sufficiency. That we don't uh, need the saving. We don't need to be saved. Because I do it for myself. Like you're like, like right. you were saying before, like either I'm connected to how much like my money. And so that's something I can control. And so I can, you know, feel it's a, it's more of a sense of self-sufficiency than, than a reality, but, but that's, that's what I cling to. And, and so therefore I can't actually throw my heart into the excitement of something good is coming that I need. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, because I don't need anything because I, because nobody can actually give me what I need and not even God, even though that may not be a conscious thought, but it, right. it may be operating and, and, or others, because they always, you know, they always fail anyway. And so I have to do it all myself. And so I get closed off. And you know what? The greatest example of that was a Christmas carol, right? Dickens. <laughs> the story of Scrooge, Scrooge because he literally gets isolated, right? Like he's got right. his money. He's got tons of money, but he's by himself. He's right. not connected to anybody. He doesn't care about anybody. He, he's self-sufficient in right. his mind. Right. Right. And he doesn't need anybody. And it, and it takes an inter, a divine intervention or, you know, whatever, spiritual, uh, intervention, spiritual yeah. intervention for him to actually wake up and realize I, I need to belong. Right. I need to connect with others and, and give to others and be part of the community. Uh, and, and in doing so, um, because I also need God to redeem me because by myself, just with only money, I'm, 
I, I end up being dust. My future is chains or whatever it is that he was revealed to him. So, you know, and I maybe most of us aren't genuinely that isolated as Scrooge, but maybe sometimes we are because I know I can get that way if I'm just focused on, first of all, just all the holiday stuff, right. making sure I got everything done. Do I have everything bought? Uh, am I, you know, like, and I, and I don't even think about that much what i'm excited about yeah what is this what is this all about what does it mean that uh our lord came to us as mm -hmm. a baby as a human being on christmas day yeah 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 so, so. well and, it, and in order to do that though we also have to go back to the first words of john the baptist and the first words of our lord in in the gospels which was repent for the mm -hmm. kingdom of God is at hand, right? I mean, a lot of this is about repentance and that's not popular nowadays. No, you know, it's much more popular. The I'm okay. You're okay. God loves us just as we are, you know, and the, I think the idea of the whole penitential season of, of Advent has been really diminished. And, but see, if I think I don't have to repent, that's part of my sense of self-sufficiency. Because right. right. I don't think that I have any sins. I don't yeah, think that I'm a I've... good person. I'm a good person. You know, we get that argument a lot, right? You know, I'm a good person. I don't need to repent, you know? Right, no. right, right. And so we're not really turning to him. Right. Um, and we're not needy. We're not that we're going to be needy, but we're going to be in need. We are in right. need. Right. Um, yeah. So is this a good time to go to our takeaways or to the action items? Um, yeah, I'd like to do that. Can we say something about upcoming, like maybe just check oh, in? yeah. Like we yeah, have so many I... cool things going on in Souls and Hearts. Like we just launched not that long ago, really. Right. Um, but we have a lot of exciting things that are, that are up that are, and that are all free. So tell us what's new this week, Jerry. What do we got? Well, we've got another episode of A Catholic's Guide to Helping a Loved One in Distress. Uh, so hoping, we hope you're enjoying that series. Um, you know, so how many do we have? Is it eight in total? I yeah, I think it's now. eight. Yep. Yeah, so um, you know, this, we'll be having uh, a talk about listening and how to do active listening and all that effectively. Mm -hmm. We've also got a new uh, blog up by our good friend and colleague out in Denver, uh, Dr. Matt McCall, psychologist at St. Raphael's. Uh, so I bet that emotions and what role emotions play in a good Catholic's life. And then, I think that's so important because like to me, even to understand emotions, right. most people don't. And most of us, and a lot of men just suppress them anyway. Right. So we, we don't, we don't, you know what I mean? So, so really yeah, I think that's a mean. good one to check out. Because we're going to be, read, read Dr. Uh, Matt's uh, article, but also we're going to be talking about emotions coming up quite a bit, yeah. I think, yeah. as we work yeah. through things. And then Maribel, well, we have another blog. Can we not yeah. mention like yeah. the one coming? Uh, Dr. Maribel, Maribel Laguna is also um, doing a blog. And what is it on again? That's on selecting a therapist. How do you find oh, a therapist? Yes, yes. Yeah, we've got to get that blog up there right away. So we're real excited to have her joining us as one of our. She's out in, I think she's um, at, in his image in, yeah. uh, counseling in uh, Irving, Texas. Irving, Texas. Yep. Yes. Yep. And yep. That's oh, by the way, it wasn't. I did a blog too that I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks I, ago. Your yeah. blog is really good. I mean, you, you guys you. should read that. On, on, on if you have kids, if you have, or it doesn't even have to be kids, but I, had, no. I was on a panel at a Catholic school and we watched the movie Screen Agers. And it's about the use of screens, like video games, but phones especially, and, and the effects for kids. So read that blog article if, yeah. 
that's relevant to you, which I think it's relevant to almost everyone. Almost everybody. And then yep. we got something that's near and dear to my heart, um, fly on the wall. Yes. Uh, now, this is six of us, <clears throat> mental health professionals, friends. We got together and we, we sat down and we just had an open-ended conversation about 20 minutes long about what does it mean for a Catholic mental health professional to love <clears throat> his or her client. And just a lot of different ideas floating around, a real free-floating conversation. That is now posted. Uh, it's on our website. All these things are also on uh, iTunes, uh, like the uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Right. And so you can get them in a lot of different places, uh, YouTube. Um, and so, you know, whatever your preferred means of getting this stuff, it's out there for you. But this, the fly-on-the-wall thing, I just thought was excellent. It was just mm -hmm. really neat. Again, totally unscripted. So. And we're going to have more coming. It's going to yeah. be a series. Uh, yeah. So if you have ideas or things you'd like to hear us talk about, let us know. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so more new content is on its way coming yeah. all the time at, yeah. at Souls and Hearts. Three or four days a week, we're putting something new up on the website. So come around, check us out. So. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, takeaways. Yes. Takeaways. So for me, because I was talking about self-sufficiency and the need to belong and therefore to receive God's help as belonging even to God as well as to others. Um, the first thing I think we have to do is to recognize the negative effects of self-sufficiency. So it being a prevent, like we were talking about, it prevents us to, from really looking at oneself, re from repenting, from acknowledging our own sins, our own mistakes, our own needs. And, 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 and it isolates us away from other people. So we want to, first of all, recognize, am I being inordinately self-sufficient? And, and how is that actually playing out? So that's the first step. The next one is really opening ourselves up to God and others, but ultimately to God with, with a spirit of hope and a childlike expectancy. Because once we recognize that self-sufficiency isn't going to help us, we need to be able to say, okay, God, I do, I rely on you. And so for this season, anyway, I'm asking you to open up your, your, your heart a little, if it isn't already, <laughs> to how God is going to help me and save me, right? And just putting that out there and being like, he will. And I can be excited about that. So then the third one is see the signs. So the third thing is look for signs of it. The obvious ones would be like, obviously, if you have a manger, if you have, or if you have a gigantic room full of <laughs> giant uh, statues, or if you know, a Christmas tree, a wreath, those are all the obvious Christmas ones. Hey, one with that. Look for other ones. Maybe there are signs that God, God is giving you signs in your everyday life. Let's have eyes open to maybe even notice them. Certainly, if you notice anything, any cool signs, feel free to share in the comment section. We'd love to hear it. Um, and embrace that. Embrace the spirit of hope and excitement for this Advent. That's what I got. Okay. So what I got is this one task. I keep it real simple. I want you to go in front of the Blessed Sacrament. could be the Sunday. You know, and look at the tabernacle or if the Blessed Sacrament is exposed and ask this question. What is getting in the way of me being psychologically ready to obey you, Lord? What is getting in the way of me being psychologically ready to obey you, Lord? And then to listen for the answer. To listen for the answer. Don't just try to figure it out on your own. 
That's what a lot of people try to do. But we're going to be, we're going to have blind spots. Listen to the answer. It may come in that moment. It may come later, right? But be open to that answer. Don't just assume that you're psychologically self-sufficient or that everything's ordered. It's not. Not for any of us. Listen to that answer. And then we'll take it from there. Sounds so, good. All right. Yes. Well, Jerry, it's been great to be with you. Uh, it's with been you great as to be well. on this journey. It's, this is amazing. And we're really pleased that all of you are, are here as well. This really is for you. Let us know what you like, what's helpful. Give us, you know, give us constructive criticism in the, in the comment section. We really want to hear from you. So. And share our stuff if you're enjoying it, because uh, we've seen some comments come in and everything, but we're still really new. So we right. like to get it out to, to other people that you think might benefit. All right. All right. Well, we're getting close to Christmas. We'll see you next uh, next week as we get ready for the fifth, right? Fifth Sunday. No, there's no fifth oh, Sunday. We're going no right into Christmas. We're going right into Christmas. So okay, I just blanked also, out. Right. We're gonna we're gonna also <laughs> wish you a Merry Christmas. You know, because we will oh, we'll see be posting again. We won't see them till Christmas. Well, we'll post again on the Tuesday before Christmas, but it'll gotcha. be for it'll be for the Sunday after Christmas. So. That's how it's going to work. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. That's okay. That's why I got confused. Thank you. Uh, all right. So we will wishing you a very Merry Christmas as it comes and uh, be still. Believe. Be loved. Take care.